Please take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the Old Testament, to the book of Micah. Turn there with me to chapter number 6. I'll give you a moment to find that particular book. I'm sure you're not something that you read every day. The book of Micah and chapter number 6. Here we are about a week away from our special meeting of what we call and hope and pray that it will be a revival. And, and God has providentially, uh, I think, uh, directed, uh, as I have been preaching for a couple of months on our walk with the Lord, and this just happens to be the section of Scripture that I was planning on dealing with next, and it is appropriate for us as we plan for our upcoming meeting. You'll notice here it says uh, in Micah chapter 6 and verse number uh, 6, the Bible says, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Verse 8, He has showed the old man what is good and what God, excuse me, what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Now, let's pray for just a moment and we'll preach this morning on the subject of walking humbly uh, with the Lord. Let's study this scripture in its context and then we'll give you some help today from the Word of God. Uh, let's pray. Father, would you bless your servant and use him, I pray, to bring glory to yourself and to help your children, edify them, and Lord, to help them, uh, God, uh, in this day and even this week as we prepare our hearts, Lord, for what we hope and pray to be a revival in our assembly. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. Israel had developed three problems that are revealed here in our uh, text. The first one was uh, a hearing problem. A hearing problem. Now when we start talking about humility and pride, one of the things that really manifests a heart of pride is the fact that you stop listening to what the Lord has to say. It becomes a hearing problem. Remember when Jesus would say, he that hath ears to hear. And so it's one thing for you to sit in an assembly and uh, hear the noise, but are you really listening to the news that is being spoken? Now, you're the only one who can determine whether or not you really are listening to what the Lord is saying. Do you remember, look in chapter 6, verse 1. Now, this is repeated in several chapters, but we're not going to take the time to look at that. But chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Hear ye now what the Lord saith. Then look in verse number 2. Hear ye. See, they have a hearing problem. And I promise you, when you start getting off target with God, you can always trace it back to the point of where that you actually quit listening to what the Lord had to say. What he has to say is far more important than what anybody else has to say to you. 
or what you have to say to yourself. Do you remember in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says when you come to the house of God, he said you are to be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. James even said that you and I should be swift to hear and slow to speak. You remember when Saul got in trouble with the Lord and Samuel had to rebuke him? And he said to Samuel, uh, Samuel said to Saul, he said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings as in obeying the voice of the Lord? He said, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And so the Lord is telling these folks here, that, Hey, listen, first of all, you got a hearing problem. You're not listening to what I'm saying. Number two, they have a hypocrisy problem. Because when you stop listening, what's going to happen is your mind is going to get hard and your heart is going to get hard. And what's going to happen is, is that you start then going through the motions at church rather than there really being a heart of devotion when you come. You've learned how to go through the motions and you really don't want to quit on the Lord and you really don't want to get out of church, but yet your heart is not in what you're doing. That's why you need revival from time to time so that you don't start going through the motions of of hypocrisy. You see, that's why this, listen, verse 6, these questions are them sarcastically asking these questions to God with an attitude of, man, listen, we can't please you no matter what we do. We can't make you happy. You've got so many demands and you want this, you want that. What can we do to make you happy? You better be careful how you talk back to God. But notice what it says here in verse 6. Read it again now with that mindset. They're saying, wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? He said, shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? And will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? And if that's not enough, then said, shall I give the firstborn for my transgression? What if I just bring my kid up here and sacrifice him for you, for the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? There is an attitude here. And hypocrisy always brings with it and develops with it an attitude. Because you're not going to accept the blame. You're blaming God for the way things are. Asaph had that problem when he was attending the house of the Lord. He was the song leader. And there he was a, was a man of God. But he said, you know, he said, truly God is good to Israel. And even such as are of a clean heart. God wants your heart. He doesn't want just your performance. He wants your heart. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. He doesn't want you walking with Him as a robot or like a puppy that's following Him. He wants communion with you. You remember when when uh, Adam was in the garden, the Bible says it was the, the voice of the Lord was walking through that garden. Because God wanted, that word voice means He was trying to communicate And walking with God means you're communicating with Him. And so what happens when hypocrisy begins and our heart begins to back away from the Lord, there's not a whole lot of communication going on. 
And so the psalmist said, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as of a clean heart. But he said, but it's for me. He said, my feet were almost gone and my steps had well nigh slipped. He was hanging in there, but the heart wasn't in it. He was staying in his place. Duty over desire, discipline, yes, but the heart wasn't in it and he needed some help. Now, the third problem they have here is in chapter 6 and verse number 8 is a humility problem. And he says, listen, you know what I want. That's what God's saying to him. Hey, listen, you can, you can say that smart aleck stuff all you want. He said, but you know what I want. You know what I require of thee. He said, I, I just, he said, I would just like for you to do justly and to love mercy. We don't have time to develop those two thoughts. I want to focus on the last one. And he said, and to walk humbly with thy God. God wanted them to walk with him. They have a humility problem. His desire was a relationship, fellowship. But he has a demand here and a requirement. And that is that each of us, talking about him and us, that we would know our place. If you're going to walk with God, you've got to know his place and you've got to know your place. You understand that, don't you? If you get off of track with that, you're not going to be able to walk with God. You're not going to be able to fellowship with God. You've got to stay in your place and I promise you he'll stay in his place. Now, let me show you a contrast of this. Now, I need you to open your Bibles. And I mean, your Bible's open, but I need you to follow with me in the Word of God. If you're at home, please follow with me in your Bible. You need to see what it says in the good Word of God. Now, I need you to turn with me to Psalm 131. I want to show you an attitude. Look in Psalm 131. Psalm 131. Very short psalm. If you want to memorize a psalm and you want a short one, here's a great one. And boy, it's got some great stuff in it. Look in Psalm 131. Here's an, here is a man who knows his place. Here is a man that has some humility in his heart. You see, God can see into every heart this morning. He knows us. We can't hide our hearts from God. Look in Psalm 131. Look in verse 1. This is David. He says this. He said, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. He says, Lord, I know my place. And he says, if you are going to raise me up or exalt me or put me in a position of authority, it has to be you. I'm not going to promote myself. A proud man promotes himself. Verse 2. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. If a child is not weaned of his mother yet, what does that child often do? He will whine. He'll cry a little bit. And he'll act like, you know, he's really in great pain when all he wants is what? Attention. And he says, Lord, I've learned. He said, my soul is even as a weaned child. Lord, he said, Lord, I've, I've learned to, to be quiet and, I, and I've learned to, to humble myself. And you'll notice with me now, if you'll kick your Bible real quickly and turn with me now to the book of Malachi. That's the last book in the Old Testament. Look in the book of Malachi. You have to judge yourself this morning on your heart's condition. 
in whether or not you are haughty, are your eyes lofty, are you a complainer, a murmurer, a whiner, are you dissatisfied with your progress in life and you feel like that you deserve a whole lot more than what you're getting in life? Well, David said, you know what? I'm just going to humble myself before God. And when God gets ready to to lift me up and put me in a place, David did not seek to be king. David was a shepherd. And he was happy and content wherever God had him. And then at some point, God decided to exalt him. And boy, I tell you what, uh, things changed in his life when that happened, and it wasn't all for good. And so that's why the book of James says you should not everybody, not we should not seek to be masters, meaning teachers of the word of God. You wait and let God promote you. Quit trying to promote yourself. All right. Look in the, the book of Malachi with me, please. Boy, you talk about a contrast here. You're talking about a humility problem. Boy, it really shows up right here. And we aren't going to the New Testament. But look in the book of Malachi. Look in chapter 3. and Listen, we're talking about how can two walk together except they be in agreement. And if I'm going to walk with the Lord, then I've got to have an acknowledgement in my heart of how high and lofty He is, and that He is God, and that He's the Creator, and that I'm just the creature. And for us to be able to walk together, I've got to keep that mindset. You see, Satan, Lucifer, lost that perspective, that he was a creature serving the Creator. And he became dissatisfied with his position and began to say, I will be like the Most High. I will. I will. And brother, you talk about when pride starts coming into a man's heart or to a teenager's heart or to a woman's heart, it's when they begin to say, I will, not thy will be done. Now watch here, look look at Malachi chapter 3, look in verse number 13. Here is where the Lord is speaking to them and he shows a contrast here of the proud and the humble. He says, your words, boy, boy, you talk about something that will reveal your heart. <laughs> it will be your mouth. Amen. The Bible says, your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken so much against thee? Now, there's a problem here. They have lost their perception of sin. They have become insensitive to what bothers God. A proud heart will begin to harden and no longer bothered by what troubles the Lord. No longer grieved about what grieves the Lord. And so when the Lord says, you know, what you've been saying lately, been pretty stout. Bothers me. And they said, hey, what have we said that would bother you? Well, if your heart's tender toward God, I think that you would know. I think your heart would trouble you. I think your heart would smite you. Look what he says in verse 14. He said, you have said it is vain to serve God. Whoa. Now, you know what you need to do from time to time is really listen to what you say. Now, sometimes you may have such a high volume of words that come out of your mouth, you may not be able to keep up with everything that you're saying. 
But I am saying that every once in a while you need to listen to what you are actually saying to people about God, about the Bible, about Jesus, about the church, about the people at church. You need to actually listen to what is coming out of your lips. And he's saying this attitude of pride, he says right here you're saying that it's a waste of time. It is a waste of effort, energy, time, and money to do what the Bible says and to seek after the will of God. It's a total waste of time. I'm not into that church stuff. Just a bunch of hypocrites up there. I'm not wasting my money. I'm not giving my money away. Look what he says. He said, you have said it is vain to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? I tried to do what the Bible says. It just don't work. And he says, and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. And that, that is a reference to what James said about what real humility is, where your laughter is turned into mourning. In other words, we've been, it's been a waste of time for us to take these things too seriously and to humble ourselves before the Lord. Here's what you also say. Look in verse 15. And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. So who are your heroes? Who do you brag on? Who do you look to? Who do you elevate in your conversation? Is it some movie star? who is actually the definition of a real hypocrite? Is it a musician? Is it a crooked politician? The Bible says, <coughs> excuse me, he said, now we call the proud happy, and yea, they that work wickedness are set up, yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. And said, now, listen, we folks that, that really just rebel against a God, they curse God, they make fun of God. He said, Man, there's nothing that happens to them. Now, I was told as a kid that, man, you reap what you sow, and if you do this, man, this is going to happen, and it hasn't happened. And so you begin to question the timing of God and His ways and His judgment. One thing about God, you better thank God for it, is that you don't reap what you sow always, immediately, or the same day. And if you repent and get right with God, you may not even reap everything that you sowed because He's merciful. Excuse me just a moment. (coughs) Now I want you to look at this passage. Then He he says, look look down here in verse number 16. Look at the contrast here. Then they that feared the Lord, this is the humble, spake often one to another. Who do you talk to? Who are your friends? Do they fear God? He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. You walk around with, you know they say if you hang around with dogs, you're probably going to wind up with some fleas. You hang around proud people and you'll get to where that you start talking pretty stout yourself. You start saying stuff you ought not to. You start blowing up in anger when you ought not to. That's why you shouldn't be friends with an angry man, the Bible says, because you'll learn his ways. They that feared the Lord spake often one to another. Often one to another. Sounds to me like they're in fellowship. Sounds to me like they're encouraging each other. 
And you do need, you won't have a lot, but you'll have a few. And you need to talk to them often about the things of God. Not about other people, but about God. Do you have anybody in your life that you talk to God about? I mean, really, the things of God? Not a lot of people even want to talk about the Bible. The Bible says here, he said, the Lord listened. He said, man, I like that. I like that. I said, I'm listening. I hearken. He said, I'm going to put their name down in the book. He said, the judgment of God, I'm going to bring their names up. He said, I'm going to reward them. Because their desire is to walk with me and talk about me and fellowship with me and encourage one another. All right, now let's go to the New Testament real quick. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. Now, there are some places that are parallel with each other, I think synonymous with each other. But I want you to turn to 1 Peter 5 for sake of time. I'll read you a verse in another book. I think it's very, very true and very easy to, to see that the Apostle James, the brother of Jesus, half-brother, and the Apostle Peter, that they have a clear understanding of the very nature of our God. And they are like-minded in their writings. That if a man is proud, God will resist him. And if a man will humble himself, if a teenager, if a woman, if a man will humble themselves, God will draw nigh to them and God will lift them up. James said that if you'd submit yourself to God, you could resist the devil. And he would flee. He said, if you would draw nigh to God, he would draw nigh to you. If you would humble yourself before the Lord, that he would lift you up. Now look what Peter says in chapter number (coughs) 5. Excuse me again. Look in chapter 5. Look look, look at the, uh, the wording of Peter here. He says in verse 5, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, For he careth for you. They are like-minded in the Lord's requirement of humility and in God's response to humility. You know, true humility is my proper evaluation of me and the proper elevation of him. And pride is the improper elevation of me and I think the devaluation of God. Let me compare the two. Pride is a sin. Humility is a virtue. Pride is a weakness. Humility is a strength. Pride is your enemy. Humility is your friend. Pride is destructive. Humility is constructive. Pride causes God to resist you 
Humility causes God to draw near to you and towards you. Pride is devilish, satanic, and self-willed. Humility is godly and submissive. You can't get away from from the word subject yourself, submit yourself, and humble yourself. They're all connected. They're all connected. Would you really and truly in your heart want God to revive your heart? Well, I think that we see in the Word of God that there is a requirement, and that is that we humble ourselves. And there is a, a promise that if you'll draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. But also in our text here, there's a choice to be made. I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't think that you have to beg God to be good. I don't think you have to beg God for revival. I think that there are some things that He requires and some things that He promises. And if we meet those requirements, I am confident that He is more interested in my heart being revived than I am. That He is more interested in me being back close to Him than I am in being close to Him. I believe His love for me is far greater than my love for Him. I honestly believe that. So, in our text here, the promise is that if I would humble myself, that He... But but I want you to notice the choice. Notice in verse number 5. He says, Likewise, you younger, subject yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you be subject one to another. And then He says, And be clothed with humility. Clothed with humility. I don't think anybody dressed you this morning. I think you dressed yourself. Unless you're an invalid. Or maybe a little weird. A little lazy. Now somebody may have said something about what you put on. But I'm pretty sure you probably clothed yourself. Why is that? Why does the Bible use that word? Because people are very picky about what they wear if they have choices. If they have choices, I'm not going to wear that. I'm not wearing that to church. I'm not wearing that to Walmart. You know, there's some folks that are not very picky about what they wear to Walmart. Like PJs. Amen. But you know, when you, when you put your clothes on, you really, you look in the closet and say, you know what, this is what I'm going to put on, and you do it yourself. It's an act of your will. And he says, I want you, instead of grabbing that jacket that says P-R-I-D-E, he says, I want you to put on this one over here that is, that spells H-U-M-B-L-E. You either are proud that day or you're a humble that day. It's really a choice. And so he's saying there are great, 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 magnificent consequences to us if we will choose to clothe ourselves. That's why he says in verse 6, humble your neighbor. Is that what he says? Humble your husband. No. Humble your teenager. No. It says humble who? 
yourself. I'm the only one who can, in my heart, I mean, you might humiliate me, and you may put me in a humble position, but you can't fix my heart. My heart, it's a choice of humbling myself before the Lord. And I'm just here to tell you this morning, there's some great, great consequences to choosing to humble yourself this week and to work on it. Now let the Holy Spirit point some things out to you and then you act upon it. And then you watch what God does for you as we approach this meeting and these uh, guys come in and I know Brother Alltop well enough to know that he's asking God for peace in his heart about what we need. We're not going to talk about what he needs to preach. We're not going to talk about you. And so if he brings up an illustration that sounds just like you, don't you with pride say, Brother Roger told him about me and told him to say that. No, Brother Roger prayed that God would speak to his heart and that God would speak to you through him. But you'll notice here, now listen, well, there's some great, great, great benefits to humbling yourself before the Lord. It will allow you to walk with the Lord in fellowship with Him with no resistance. The Bible says He knows the proud afar off. He knows them afar off. He says, nope. He said, you get back over there. I'm not, I'm not interested in being close to you. Did you know that humility will also keep you, if you'll humble yourself, it'll keep you growing. If you feel like you've kind of grown stale and stagnant, maybe you've come to a a place where you feel like you're not going any further, here's what I ask you to do. I ask you, are you teachable? Are you correctable? Hmm? It'll keep you growing and going in your life. Now, there's a couple of illustrations that I think about. I think about over there in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 4, where it says it's better to be a, a poor and a wise child than it is to be a king, an old and foolish king, who no longer can be admonished. In other words, if you've gotten to the point of where that nobody can admonish you anymore, nobody can help you or teach you or show you some things, and it may be somebody that's younger than you are, poorer than you are, not as well educated as you are, it may be uh, your own son or your own daughter that the Lord may have showed. In other words, you spent years bringing them up in the house of the Lord and now God may use them to bring some things to your attention and to speak to your heart about. Can you receive that? I'm not talking about a child rebuking their parents. I'm not talking about disrespecting. The Bible says that the younger should entreat the elder as a son would entreat his father. So that's with respect. But are you too old to be taught anything? You could be 30 and be too old to be taught something. You could be 18 and be too old to be told something. Because you already know everything. You've already sized up everything and you know. But in reality, you know very little. You understand? And so I'm telling you, if you'll humble yourself... The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5, the reason why some of those folk were stunted in their growth, he says because they were dull of hearing. Remember the first problem that those group had in the book of Micah is that they had a hearing problem? 
you ought, to, you ought to listen. Sometimes the Lord, sometimes a young person around you or a younger person around you can say something not knowing that God is using them to speak to your heart about something in your life that no one else knows about. But can you receive it? Can you receive that? Or does it always have to be the elder or the pastor or the evangelist? Or can it be somebody that walks with you in your house or somebody that walks with you in your life or knows you and maybe they have something to say that will help you? Can you receive it? You know, when I was uh, thinking about that verse, I was thinking about a gentleman in our church. I've watched him and I wanted to tell him that I respect him highly for how he, I've watched him. I'm talking, Brother Roy Clark, I'm talking to you for just a moment. I've watched you over the years since the Lord saved you. I've watched, I know that for years you were the, the leader of your family and you had everything in order and, and God has used you to bring up a couple of really good kids, you and your wife. But now as, as, as time has gone by, and now that you're in your retirement years, I've watched you allow your son, whom God has given some wisdom to and some knowledge to, I've watched you allow him to minister to you and to work with you in your life. I've, I've watched you. You haven't bowed up about it. You said, you know what? God's blessed my son. He can help me. And that takes some humility to do that and some meekness on your part. And I want to commend you for that because I've watched you do that for a number of years as your pastor. That's not an easy thing to do. And I know Brother Lewis always entreats you with respect. I know that. And I appreciate that about him as well. But I want to commend you for being willing to receive that. Even from a younger man as myself, that you come and hear the Word of God. Brother Brock's one of those guys who will listen to a younger man speak to him the Word of God. I've been around here long enough that there ain't a whole lot of folks around here that's older than me, though. You know, but there's a few still left. But I want you to understand that it'll keep you growing. It'll keep you going. And let me say this also, quickly, all right? That if you'll humble yourself, look in chapter 5 with me, please, and look in verse number 5. Boy, this is critical. The last part of this verse, for God resists the proud and giveth grace to the humble. You're going to need some grace in some tough places in your life. And the Bible says that God will provide you the grace when you need it the most in the areas where you need it the most. He'll give grace to the humble. If you're about to fall apart, if you're about to have a nervous breakdown, if you're contemplating suicide, if you're constantly depressed, all of those are symptoms of a lack of grace. And I'm telling you, God will give grace to the humble. Do you understand? It's a promise. That's giving you the, the strength to endure some things that you cannot endure in the flesh without being bitter and angry about it. God will give you some grace. Humility makes for a peaceful house. Contention cometh only by pride. Humility builds a bridge between me and a brother or sister 
that I'm at odds with and God wants me to be reconciled to my brother and my sister in Christ. And humility is the bridge between me and them. So I have to ask myself this week, is there anything that I need to make sure between a brother or sister that would cause, if I make it right, if I'm, if I do my part, that way I've got everything out between me and God that He might do something for me special in this next week of revival. I want to say number six is that it cuts bitterness off at the knees. I'm talking about humility does. When God disciplines you, and sometimes He will, and He'll chasten you, and sometimes He will because He loves you, and He'll put you through some hard spots on purpose to humble you, to humble you. Because you see, to be usable, you have to become dependent upon the Lord. And God sometimes has to teach you to depend upon Him, to humble you, that you might learn how to trust Him and depend upon Him so that you might be usable in His sight. But while He's doing that, you're going to be tempted sometimes to get bitter at God. Bad choices sometimes in your heart and in your life can set off a chain of consequences that you never realize would occur. You can do something dumb on the highway and create a chain reaction of accidents on the road and somebody wind up dead because you did something dumb way up there, but you never intended for that car two miles back to be caught up in what you were, were doing. You can make some bad decisions, bad choices that set off a chain of consequences and you can sit there and blame other people for everything that has happened as a result of your bad choice. Or you can humble yourself and say, right here's where I got off track. And that's what happened to Saul. Saul got off track with God. Pride entered into his heart. Bitterness got into his soul. And he got to where that he blamed everybody else for where he was at. And when Samuel approached him and said, hey, he said, what's, what's all this? What's all this? Uh, Stuff over here. When God had told him to eliminate everything about the Amalekites. That was the commandment of God. And he said, well, you know, he said, I I really know that's kind of what the Lord said. But these people that you put under me and have with me, he said, that that's kind of was their idea. He said, you know, what about Achan here? I'm excuse me, not Achan, but the king. He said, what about him? And so all of this he began to say and began to actually say, look, I've done right. He said, this is none of this is my fault. And Samuel had to look at him and say, son, don't you realize that to obey is better than sacrifice, to hearken than the fat of rams, and that rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft? Do you know some people can look at you and smile and be so sweet and so gentle in their spirit and be just as rebellious as a witch? In the eyes of God. Rebellion is determined. By whether or not you just simply obey God. Or you do your own thing. And you can do your own thing while you're smiling. You don't have to be kicking and screaming. You don't have to be burning the building down. You just go about your own way. And that's exactly what Saul did. He got bitter about it. 
Man, he started throwing javelins at David, and it wasn't David's fault that he was in this situation. It was his fault. Sometimes we blame our wives or our husbands, our moms or our dads, our church or somebody at church for where we are, but at some point, I've got to go back and say, Lord, I'm not responsible for everything that they did or did not do, but I am responsible for my choice and that moment of how I have responded and reacted to that. Tell you, when you do that, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, God will give you an abundant amount of grace. An abundant amount of grace. So that you'll be able to even say, I love you to someone that you've been bitter toward. And to be able to care again towards someone that you've really had some serious issues with. You can't do that by yourself. God pours that bucket of grace in there and He gives you the strength and the grace to do it. That's God in you. That's God using you. That's God reviving you. It makes possible some things. Look in chapter 5, verse 6, and I'm almost done here. All right, just a couple more things. All right, look in chapter 5, verse 6. And I really like this one. I pray that some of you young folks that are here this morning that you'll believe what the Bible says, that you'll hear. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Now that's connected to verse 7. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. And if you'll humble yourself today before God, it makes possible and it makes likely that your present circumstances will begin to change. And in time, God will switch them around and God will lift you up. God will exalt you. Not, again, we're talking about now, not, not to the point of where that people are praising you and slapping you on the back. But we're talking about God pulling you up out of the gutter or in a low place in your life and God setting your feet on a solid rock and God blessing you and prospering the work of your hands that you might go forward, that you could be happy, that you could live with a purpose, that you could have some joy in your heart and that you'd be able to glorify God. Now, this is what happened. The greatest example of humility in the whole world in the whole Bible, it's one person. And that one person was God Himself through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You say, well, has God ever humbled Himself? Yes, He has, just by looking down upon the earth and considering us. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, God humbled Himself just to look down and consider us. And then it says that Jesus Christ Himself Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself manhood, humanity, became a servant, humbled himself, and became obedient even unto death. That was a rough time for Jesus, those three and a half years. We don't know about the 30 years, all the things that went on. But we do know that when he started his ministry, being filled with the Holy Ghost and starting to do the will of the Father as far as the work of God is concerned, it was not an easy path. But he humbled himself, became a servant, died a horrific death. But the Bible says in that same verse that God the Father, because of his submission and his humility, God the Father raised him from the dead, exalted him, 
and has given him a name that is above every name that every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess. Now you and I will never go go through what Jesus went through. And God will never ask us to do what Jesus did because he had one goal and one purpose and one mission and you and I could not do that. And that is for him to be the ransom for our sins, the propitiation for our sins. But he did give us an example of humility. That if I would submit myself to the Father's hand, and it may be rough for a while and almost unbearable. He said, but at some point, if I stay in there, if I stay in the will of God, that God is going to change the circumstances that I'm in, and God is going to rearrange some things that I am no longer at the bottom. I'll show you one more verse. Let's go, and then we'll dismiss. I want you to turn to Isaiah 57. I want you to claim this promise with me now as we pray and and dismiss. I want you to turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57, look in verse number 15. If you're watching at home, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to read the Word of God with us. I want you to look at this promise from God. God cannot lie. God loves the East River Baptist Church, and His desire is for us to be revived in these last days. These are wicked, dark days, uncertain days. But our God is certain. Humility will give you great confidence in the Lord. Pride, well, that may give you confidence in yourself, but that's going to be up and down, in and out, get sideways on you, because you're going to let yourself down. Look with me in Isaiah 57, verse 15. It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. That's me in my heart and mind acknowledging God in His place in my heart. And look at this. With Him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. This is a promise from God that He would renew my strength, renew my hope, and renew my motivation to serve and to do God's will till He comes back. I need revival from time to time. The world is always pulling at me. My flesh is always crying out, wanting to be satisfied. My will gets in the way. And I just need God to wash me and cleanse me and revive me and renew my mind and my vision that life is short, eternity is long and only what we do for God matters. And for me, not only to love Him, but to love you. And not only to serve Him, but to serve you. And so the Bible promises, and listen, God says, look, you know what I require of you. He says, I want you to do justly. I want you to love mercy. And I want you to walk humbly with me. Acknowledging me for who I am, you for who you are. Don't try to get sideways on me. 
trust me, depend on me, and obey me. And listen to me. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Father in heaven, thank you for the word of God and the promises that are found therein. And thank you for the example that you've given us in our Savior. And Lord, may we humble ourselves before you, draw nigh to you, submit ourselves and search our hearts this week. And God, if there's anything anywhere that we need to deal with, may the Spirit of God put His finger on it. And if somebody, if you use somebody else to bring it to our attention, that we will not bow up and kick it sideways, but that we would receive it, that we could be admonished, that we could be corrected. And I pray, Father, that you would revive the hearts of your children at the East River Baptist Church. In Jesus' name, amen.